0: Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to build smart now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We restructured Entree Architect Academy to be more powerful, more accessible, and more affordable. Did you know that for only $27 per month, you can now gain unlimited access to more than $2,000 worth of resources, courses, and video archives, all built to help you build a better business, be a better leader, and live a happier life as a small firm architect. And we're adding more every month. Learn more about Entre Architect Academy at entrearchitect.com. You're listening to Entre Architect Podcast, and this is episode 173. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlepage and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams I am really loving the episodes from this new series The Entrepreneur Architect where I'm sitting down with real small firm architects talking about real issues issues that we are all dealing with and hearing real stories of working and living as a small firm architect and I hope I hope that you're enjoying them too. I, I hope that they're motivating you and inspiring you. And I hope that you're gaining valuable ideas and information that you can borrow and, and take them back to your firm and apply them. And I want to share your story too. We all have a story. And and I know you may be thinking right now, you may not think that that your story is that interesting, but it is. The most powerful shows that we have here are the ones where Yes, I'm dealing with that too. And and I've gone through that struggle or my goals are just like her goals. Sometimes confirmation is validation. And you never know how your story might help change the life of another person, another small firm architect struggling to get to where they want to go. That you've been through that process and you can share your story and inspire somebody and let them know that it's going to be okay. So come share your story here at Entree Architect Podcast, email us at podcast at entreearchitect.com and request to be on the show. This week, I'm finally talking with a longtime friend of Entree Architect. He's been sharing his knowledge with the Entree Architect community for years. I appreciate his support and his selfless quest to share what he knows with others through teaching, through writing, through actively participating in the ongoing discussion out there on the internet about living and working as a small firm architect, this week at Entre Architect Podcast, I'm speaking with my friend Lee Callisti, entrepreneur architect. This episode of Entre Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors: FreshBooks, Ncarb, BQE Software and our cat and i'm going to share more about these great companies and organizations later in the show but as we get started here just take a quick note to schedule some time this week to go visit each one of them and let them know that their support is appreciated by us the entree architect community lee calisti welcome to entree architect podcast thanks mark it's good to be here i appreciate it yeah it's good to have you here uh Lee is based in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, not far from Pittsburgh. Uh, he's a licensed architect and the founder of Lee Callisti Architecture and Design. He was one of the original founders of AIA Pittsburgh Chapters Young Architects Forum and was that uh, co-chair for seven years. He's also served on the on, as a regional liaison uh, representing Pennsylvania as part of the AIA National Young Architects Forum. He serves on the city of Greenberg's uh, historic and architectural review board, and he serves his community as trustee for the Greensburg Alliance Church. Uh, he's active in social media as an ardent promoter of the profession and a regular writer for the global architects, architect blog series, architalks, sorry, architalks. You can search architalks, hashtag architalks all over social media and you'll see uh, dozens of uh, blog posts written by architects all on the same subject each month. Really, really interesting. Um, uh, program that Bob Borson over at Life of an Architect started and, uh, and is growing its global blog series right now. It's really, really good. You can read all of uh, Lee's blog posts over at thinkarchitect.wordpress.com. So Lee, I, uh, I just gave everybody a little bit of a background on who you are. I'd love for you to start off here with uh, your origin story. Talk about where you discovered architecture, what inspired you to become an architect and then just give us that that story, your journey from that point to where you find yourself today. Thanks, Mark.
1: I've written about this before and I have talked about it often because I'm one of those unusual people that wanted to be an architect from the time I was very young, which apparently is pretty rare these days. Early on in my grade school, I discovered drawing more than just doodling like some kids, but had a passion for um, comic books and would replicate the things that I saw there and develop those skills and and art skills in those early days. And a couple of years into that, came across some things that were more architectural um, and the art teacher I had at junior high school was a great inspiration to me. Um, architecture became uh, fascinating, and I began to look at books in the library. These are pre-computer days. And all throughout those early days, this one inspirational teacher uh, promoted creativity and said it was okay to be the creative type of person, and, and it was uh, an encouragement. He didn't teach me anything about architecture, but just be able to think creatively and to develop uh, these these skills. And it wasn't long before I was designing houses and building models. They may look silly these days, but, uh, but as a young kid, it was quite fascinating. Um, my mother bought me a drafting table when I was a young kid and I would sit there for hours and do something. Um, throughout my, throughout high school, I just pursued art classes. I did have a drafting class, but really the art classes are what made things good for me. And a couple of library books and a couple of, uh, contacts, uh, with, with architecture in that fashion was enough for me that I was, I was bitten, but I had no idea what the world of architecture was about, uh, being in a small town and not having access to information like, like, uh, Young people have today, but I just knew I wanted to be an architect. It was not something I considered. Uh, apart from that, I didn't worry about job prospects or salary or, or or any of those types of things. It was a single-mindedness, maybe naive, but uh, I applied for school, went to another school for a year prior, took care of some basic classes, and plunged into the world of architecture. Had to actually start taking design classes at night Uh, I went to Kent State University the only way I could get into the program was by taking night classes they had a program for interior designers and they offered the design studios uh, for night classes well the serendipity behind that was I got connected with uh, an architect who was a professor adjunct professor teaching the class at night most brilliant uh, professor that I had in my five years of college And was, again, another inspirational teacher that really, really inspired me uh, because he was doing work on the side as an architect. He was doing work for his firm and he would bring in examples of the things that he was doing to show us models he was building and drawings he was making and paintings. And I thought, wow, here's a person that's doing this not just as a job, but as a life. And after I went through his classes and moved up through the other years of school, I would actually go to his class in the evening to see if I could catch him after class to see if he would talk about my work. And this patient, patient man would stay late all throughout my rest of my schooling. Um, many years later, um, I caught up with him uh, last year. Uh, went to lunch with him uh, in Cleveland to thank him profusely for being so... Um, patient and inspirational to me and you know 20 some years have gone by since that time and he remembered me and it was a great inspiration but um, so you can be that inspirational person in the life of someone behind you as a mentor you may not even realize it but these two teachers made a huge difference to me but but walking into school that first time and being exposed through books and magazines and and seeing other people's work just made my taste for architecture um, insatiable. Uh, it was such a, such an amazing, exciting thing to, to see what is going on in the world. Um, so I, I knew I had chosen the right thing. Went through school, uh, was pretty obsessed. Um, I'm told I was top of my class. I didn't know that was a, a thing or a goal, but, um, revealed it to me at the end. Um, graduated and, uh, there was a recession at the time, 1991 and i went back to work for an architect that i'd spent summers with and it was a very good learning process um, to learn kind of the nuts and bolts of 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 working in practice and and what's involved in that um but eventually i needed to spread my wings and i went to work in downtown pittsburgh for Mm -hmm. for eight years and um, very very exciting experience uh, from 1995 to 2003 Uh, to be in a big city, to do and be exposed to a lot of different things. And it was those days that really prepared me uh, to launch my own firm. A lot of things happened. It's a long story in and of itself of how I got to my own firm, but um, <clears throat> my son was born in 2002. And that was a big, big, big driver, but not the only driver to launching my own firm in 2003. Uh, I had started teaching in 2002 at Carnegie Mellon University as an adjunct uh, that had kind of fulfilled this vision that I had had in my mind of being an architect and teacher, which was the same thing that this professor I mentioned in first year was. He was this architect and teacher. And I thought, well, I want to, just, I want to be just like he is. Um, but I still want to do exciting work. Well, that went that went pretty well. Um, But the early days of starting a practice were were rocky, like most people. Uh, I didn't have any clients, I didn't have any work. I just knew that I needed to do something else uh, or I was going to not be able to breathe. I wasn't wasn't gonna get anywhere and um, I was never happy in just having a job and just doing buildings. Uh, Architecture always had to be more than that to me. Not everybody can take those risks, not everybody can have those luxuries. But for me, architecture was always such a big thing that just being in a job and doing things that are part of an architecture firm were not enough. Well, everything that led up to that point prepared me, but couldn't replace just the hard work that it takes to start a firm. Um, But I've always been very frugal, so I, I borrowed money from our own personal savings and I promised my wife I would pay it off by the end of the year. And that, that happened in 2003. Uh, work started to slowly come in through various methods and um, the year wasn't a good year financially, but I did pay off the loan. I paid myself back and I never borrowed money from a bank. Uh, in fact, in 14 and a half years, I've never borrowed money from a bank. Uh, just a, a personal um, goal, personal Principal. principle that just was important to me. Well, you know, you look back and in February I'd been in, I've been in business for 14 years on my own, so not quite 14 and a half years, but, and it's hard to see all the details because you're kind of looking back over mountaintops and they all t- tend to bl- blur into each other, uh, all the, all the individuals up and down. Um, at the end of 2014, w- when that semester ended, I realized I couldn't teach and, and practice anymore uh it was a hard decision because it was such a part of my identity and a lot of my readers uh from my blog uh understand me as a professor and a architect and they have heard and read me talk about um practices and 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 traits that a young architect need to have and drawing and sketching and those kinds of things uh, talking about school and getting through school but um But the good news was, is the practice was busy, and I needed to focus on it exclusively. And I didn't say goodbye forever. I just said, I can't teach next semester. Well, next semester turned into five. Hmm. And uh, I don't know when that'll be. But um, I think if I wanted to go back there, and uh, I asked nicely, um, I think I left that door open um, for the future. Um, It's really, really important to have a connection with, with students and teach them what what this profession's about in a, in a real way and, and uh, having practiced for so long, I think I can keep a, a, a balance between the realities of practice and again deal with what architecture education ought to be, uh, even though it's changing constantly. But um, so now the firm is busy, um, almost too busy. Um, I it, I considered hiring my first employee last year went through the process it didn't pan out um, I'm not uh, done with that yet um, but I actually uh, took some of the advice of some of our fellow uh, bloggers and friends uh, that, that uh, I've made through this through this group and
0: um,
1: started the wheels moving towards towards expanding to that first employee um, even though it didn't happen at least it caused me to start, start to think a little differently and and how that would be and how it would work. And, um, and it'll, it'll happen at some point when the time is right.
0: So that's a big goal that, that, that first employee, um, is a big one. I remember my first employee, it's, it's really difficult to sort of get to that point and, uh, and, and take the, 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 uh, the, the, the leap to do that. There's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of fear behind that. There's a lot of change that has to happen when that hap- happens. It took me two or three employees uh, making mistakes and picking the wrong person or picking the wrong level before I finally got to that right person. Um, and so I could definitely understand, uh, you know, taking your time and, and going through that process. Uh, what What is a, another goal that you have set and you have achieved? Um, and and how did you uh, describe a little bit about what you went through to achieve that goal i
1: have thought of this a lot and uh, i probably need to set more goals along the way but i'm gonna go back in time to um <clears throat> when i was um we'll call it an intern we don't use that term anymore but when i was uh, uh working for an architect a graduate architect um <clears throat> I had started and started a, a combined um, bachelor of architecture, master's program in school, and I um, didn't finish graduate school, but I had started my master's, and that's a whole, another conversation. But um, getting a license <clears throat> was something that was very, very important to me, and and I know that that opens up a, a great conversation in, in our in our world as architects, um, and I like to participate in that conversation, but <clears throat> uh, for me regardless of what anybody else's opinion is, for me, that was very important. Um, the, the program that is formally called IDP was, was, uh, was not a digital program, but a, a, a paper record keeping program at the time. And I was working in an office that was sensitive to that. Um, but for me, getting the license uh, as soon as possible was was what I have referred to, to students over the years as, as winning the Super Bowl or winning the world series or the Stanley cup as a professional sports people. Um, I've, I've given the silly advice or the naive advice that, uh, no one, no one starts a professional sport or no one starts any kind of sport like that, uh, expecting to, to do anything less than to win the championship. Uh, you, otherwise you wouldn't participate in that, in that, right. in that sport. um, <clears throat> and it, and you could use that same analogy in any, any world, whether you're an actor and whatever the case may be. But, um, So I went through the program as quickly as I could, and I did extra things to get the the requirements of that program complete. Um, I had to do supplemental things and writings and interviews and all kinds of things to fulfill those requirements. Uh, it, It was something that I got through, and I was pretty upset that I didn't get through it in the first three years because that was the minimum time it would take. Well, go back to 1995 and this is an era when the ARE was uh, not digital, uh, it was still in the paper form in those days. Um, it, I think it ended the following year, <clears throat> or, or the year after that, and um, so so the ARE was only offered once a year, <clears throat> and I was determined I was gonna pass it all first time. Uh, one is I just have that personality flaw <laughs> of, of being obsessive, but I was gonna pass it first time, um, um, the person I had worked for, uh, had done that and he didn't even have a degree. Um, went through the old way, but, uh, to me not passing the first time was, <clears throat> I don't know, it may not make sense to anybody else. So I had started earlier the year before with all the materials that one, one uses to, to study for the ARE. Um, and, uh, there's so many more after that. Um, Evan has a great book on that, but, but Uh, I plunged into that and I just took it the way I normally do is every single day I spend time studying
0: uh,
1: without fail seven days a week at lunchtime. It was just a discipline that I think goes back to uh, my um, athletic days as a a runner uh, in in high school that you just had to do things every day nonstop because if you stop doing it once, you'll stop at two days, you'll stop at three days. And uh, it was just a trait that I picked up from a high school coach. Studied for the thing, and um, went into the test, and it was probably the most intense four days of my life ever. <clears throat> uh, college was, was intense, granted, but to combine all that into a four-day pill and swallow that was something I had never experienced. Uh, met up with some uh, buddies from, from school uh, who was taken at the same time. Got through the exam, and they make you wait three or four months to know the results. And so that was in June of 1995. That seems a lifetime ago. And uh, um, in September, I get a letter in the mail from I don't know from the N.CARB or uh, some, some whoever. Uh, maybe it was State of Pennsylvania, but um, a letter in the mail, and it just gave the scores. Um, it was known that if you get a score over over 70, I believe, you know, you you pass that that section. And all the sections are listed and all the scores are in the 80s and 90s. Uh, But there was nothing on there that said, congratulations, you passed. (laughs) So I'm reading this letter with my wife, Amy, and I'm showing her. I'm like, did I pass? Like what? Like I wanted to dance around, but it didn't say it just said, here's your scores. And I thought, somebody, please help me. (laughs) Um, So after looking at it for uh, 30 seconds, um, I was dancing around. Um, I felt like those who who win the Super Bowl or win the World Series or name your championship, name your name your goal. Uh, and but it wasn't for a, a day or two more until I got a letter from um, the registration board, registration board of the state of Pennsylvania, and congratulations, you you know you, you pass and so on and so forth. But um, but I tell this story uh, that I've told to my students over and over again um, that that summarizes that intensity for me. So. Uh, imagine sitting at a drafting table in a uh, convention center in a room for 12 hours and you can't leave except to use the restroom. Uh, you have to bring your lunch, you have to bring your dinner, you have to bring everything. You can't leave because of because of obvious reasons. And you're working on paper to do your design exam and it's intense. And I had a schedule for every section. I had to be done by this, by this time, and so on and so forth. And I hit all those schedules and I had an hour left, 11 hours in. I had an hour left. And I had enough time to check my work, and I could sense I was getting a nosebleed. I never get nosebleeds, so I knew that it was just from the intensity. And my wife had packed tissues, and we cared for it, and, uh, and it wasn't a problem. Um, <clears throat> that's all I'll say about that. But um, but it but it, it kind of summarized the intensity of that moment uh, of, of how intense uh, it is to take that exam. So my heart goes out to those who are taking the ARE right now, and I just cheer for them and and uh say get it done uh, yeah. do it yeah real, real blood sweat and tears it <laughs> is and and i want them to know that there's a whole uh, uh um uh family of architects out there that are that are rooting for them and and that we're all here to uh you know support them and, and whatever they need to do to get there but um well you know obviously it's been 20 some years since that took place and it's kind of hard to believe but uh for me that for me that was a personal goal um my, uh, uh, my family didn't quite understand all what was involved. They just knew that, you know, oh, that's a big thing. And, um, and then, but there was no fireworks, there was no lightning, there was no, there was no confetti. <laughs> you just kind of went to work, um, right, the next right. day. And, uh, you know, uh, eventually the, 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 firm I was at in Pittsburgh, um, acknowledged it and, and, uh, and there, and there was all the things that, that was in place to, uh, to, to address that issue. But, um, there have been other milestones along the way, but it just, that was just something that is uh, seared in my memory that, um, was, was very important to me.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I, I think you just brought back a lot of architects who've been through that struggle. <laughs> uh, I was actually, I was, I was in the year after that and I did take it through the computer. And so you were the last, uh, last one on paper. I just, <laughs> just I just avoided that by one year. Um, and you know, that has its own problems. Cause I mean, one of the, one of the issues with having it, yeah, uh, being able to take it whenever you want, you know, and be able to take it in different pieces is that the procrastination sets in and the, and you'd end yeah. up not taking it when you should. And, and it takes years and years to, to pass it. Uh, so there's, you know, there's pros and cons to those, to those things, but I agree. It's a, it is a struggle. Um, and it's also interesting you had mentioned earlier about the influence that we have on younger people and, and, and not necessarily right. students of architecture, but even, prior to that you were influenced by somebody early early on to to um right. to discover architecture and then again in school there was somebody there uh cheerleading you on and, and supporting you and making sure that that uh, that you stay enthusiastic about it and inspired uh it's so important for us to do that and and the opportunity we have online to connect with people uh, is great right. but to have that one-on-one connection that mentorship with younger people Uh, to encourage them to to keep going and to get licensed uh, is so important. So thanks for sharing that. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entrez Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, NCARB, and BQE Software. You already know all about RCAT and their free BIM objects and their CAD details and their specifications and product information, all free, ready for you to use. Well, today I wanna share something new from RCAT. It's called Charette. Charette is a tool for sharing and collaborating with your colleagues and clients online in real time. You can upload photos and files, share specs and product information directly from the RCAT database, as well as from other sources on the internet. I've been playing with Charette in beta for a while now, and it's really cool, and now it's available to you. I encourage you to go check it out. Visit RCAT online and click the Charette icon right there on the homepage. And like everything offered at RCAT, Charette is a free tool for us small firm architects too. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash 192 hours. You wish you had that much free time? That works out to about two business days every month. And when you're a small firm architect using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of administration time that you could save in 2017. That's time that you can spend doing the things you love like being an architect. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team by project and get organized with reports, communication and notifications. Sign up for a free 30 day unrestricted trial, and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitectcom slash FreshBooks to access FreshBooks for free. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed, but was unable to complete the experience requirements? Well, maybe that person's you. Now you can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio. With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the Architectural Experience Program, the AXP, formerly known as the IDP, by submitting an online portfolio. Along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you and your employees get one step closer to becoming a licensed architect. Learn more about NCARB's A-X-P portfolio at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB. One of the most often requested resources here at Entre Architect is project management software. How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects? BQE Software, an AIA Advantage partner and the makers of ArchiOffice, will show us how. ArchiOffice is the only office and project management software designed specifically for architects. It will help us manage people and projects and allow us to focus on designing great architecture. Whether you're working remotely or on-site, ArchiOffice allows you to monitor the status of your projects and tasks and send out invoices in an accurate and timely manner. Entree Architect podcast listeners can get a fully functional 15-day trial of ArchiOffice today at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. RCAT, FreshBooks, NCARB, and BQE software. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. How about um, a struggle that you've dealt with, something that, that has, you've, you've had to overcome in your career? Uh, tell us a story about that.
1: Um... You know, there's. I'm not exactly sure um, what what may come to mind. Um, I guess the, the first thing that flashed in my mind was uh, I've been in practice many years, and um, I had a situation with a, a project where I thought legal action may take place, mm. and. Um, <clears throat> uh, the end of the story is it didn't and it all worked out. So I'll, I'll say the end (laughs) of the story immediately.
0: Um, I've been there. So I know what that feels like.
1: There, nothing, nothing happened and everybody lived happily ever after. But, uh, I was, I was probably, um, had been in business seven or eight years and, uh, was working on a project and, um, uh, some technical things started to go, go wrong. Um, and, it, and, I, and I will say, that again, this is a whole nother conversation, but I wasn't formally involved in construction administration. Uh, so this is one more of those stories that cement um, those of us who promote that as a service uh, as being necessity. I agree. And some things took place, and I don't wanna get into the dirt or whatever, but the, some things took yeah. place that happened, and there was two specific changes that, were, um, that don't appear on my documents. But they were decisions that were made, the owner made with the contractor. And <clears throat> um, but it took a while to point to those as being the likely culprit for why there was uh, water infiltration and, and some other things going on. And um, and the owner was kind of like a drowning person, just trying to grab at anything that would that would that would save them from this situation. And uh, I had learned to be cordial and, and work through the situation. And I probably spent more time than I should have um, trying to do what I was thinking was, um, was being nice and being helpful and those kinds of things. But, uh, I had been in constant contact with my insurance company, get your insurance if you don't have it, by the way, uh, but yeah. I was in touch with my insurance company who was an advisor along the way of what to do and what not to do. And, uh, probably, <clears throat> uh, should have been more abrupt, uh, along the way, but, um, but it wouldn't go away. Um, I was never blamed but there was this um, uh, intimating that, that, that maybe yeah. there was a design flaw or whatever, and I kept going back to the point, look, this is what's going on. Well, I'd spent hours um, through what we would do as the document, documentation process, and how do I cover myself, and, um, you know, we always look back and can see that I could have done, I could have done, I could have done, that detail could have been more clear, this and that, you know, and, and you kill yourself on those issues. And though, yes, I could have made that more explicit. I could have done that. But, but how do you know in pages and pages and pages of, of documents and specs that, that those few details would be the one that needed more attention. You can never know that. Right. Um, well, finally my insurance company said, look, um, the advisor, uh, legal advisor for the insurance company said, look, you need to handle this. You need to end it. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to write this letter and here's how it's going to go. And, so we, we formed that letter, we went back and forth, we crafted it very carefully, uh, it was as brief as it could be, sent the letter, and lo and behold, it ended, and it ended abruptly. Well, you fast forward through a couple of years, and I've run into this client, uh, we still remain friends, and the client admitted to my face that I, as the architect, was right, I did nothing wrong, the problem was on the other end, and they should have hired me to oversee construction in the typical construction administration phase that we as architects know. Um, again, that's another topic of discussion of what that really means to, to your listeners, but those of us as architects know what that means and what that service looks like. But um, So now we run into each other often and um, he's still dealing with that issue, but he knows and admits that it had nothing to do with me.
0: Yeah. But I lost some
1: sleep over it. I think I grew an inch taller. <laughs>
0: And, um, how important, how how important was it to you looking back in that situation? How important was it to you to have that, that, that guardrail of liability insurance, knowing that that was there to support you if necessary? How important was that with you sort of psychologically and emotionally to get through that situation?
1: Well, I knew that, um, we had an LOL uh, limitation of liability clause. And again, you can explain that um, at some point when it's important to uh, do that Mark. But uh, fortunately I had the LOL clause and I knew that, so I had a safety net there and I knew that it was never going to be more than this. Right. <clears throat> um, so I, it, it gave me peace of mind at that. Um, so I knew that it was never going to bleed more than a certain amount. But, but for me, um, my, my name has always been important to me and it's the only thing I own. And, I, I, didn't want to go through that. Uh, I'm a peace keeper kind of person and any kind of unresolved relationship situation, uh, eats at me. Yeah. It just, it's a, uh, I can't sleep until I know that that situation is resolved. And I am a, a, a perfectionist in some sort that I, I kick myself if I do something wrong and how, how could you not have made that better? How could you not have seen that? Whatever. Um, so I had to get over that, that, that I had done anything wrong, I thought that, the, that any other architect could have looked at what, what I had detailed in my specs and said, well, okay, we could have done this, could have done this, but, but face value, what you had was clear, and what you had was fine, and, and the details of the situation were not uh, a fault of yours. Um, but yeah, the insurance, you can't practice without insurance. Don't, don't even try. Um, the amount of money that you pay isn't small, but in the big picture, it's, it's tiny compared to the, um, the damage that you could get yourself into. Uh, in fact, when I opened my practice, it was the first thing I did was um, I went to the broker that my previous firm had and we got it all set up. And in fact, I just renewed again. Um, um, no architect should practice without it it's just unfortunate the world we live in but it's a, it's a necessity
0: yeah and you never know where it's going to come from like you said no. it, it, you know you're doing you're making thousands of decisions maybe tens of thousands of decisions right. for every project you never know where it's going to come from and and typically it's all good and it's all clean and and if something comes up you can resolve it but you never know uh and so you, you really to practice without uh liability insurance and to work without contracts you know there are architects that are working with a handshake uh, no. To have that contract with a liability uh, limited of a liability clause uh, you know it 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 helps you even if you didn 't do anything wrong it helps you emotionally knowing that those things are there uh to be able to think clearly and to and to proceed with what you need to proceed with so thanks for for, for sharing that story what 's one thing that that makes you or your firm unique what what makes you different than other architects <laughs>
1: I'm nuts. Uh,
0: um, (laughs) But we're all nuts. You know,
1: I I like to think that balance has always been the key to my success. Um, I didn't, when I I graduated top of my class, um, I wasn't necessarily the best designer there in terms of purely artistic aesthetic design. I, I have two really good friends that I stay in touch with these many years later that were brilliant, uh, very gifted people. And, um, I thought I was really good at it and I still think I'm really good at it. Um, but I was able to balance that with all my other classes. So as an architect, um, I consider myself an artist. Um, I just wrote a blog post about that, uh, that I make art. Um, I still lean heavily toward towards the art side, uh, uh, as an architect and I I sketch and I draw and and my readers, my blog know that, but you can't just be an artist as an architect for as much as I promote that, that I really believe at least my expectations of myself as an architect is balance. There's so many things that we have to do or expected of us as architects. And I just expect myself to be good or, um, facile at, at a lot of different things. And a lot of those things aren't necessarily fun or interesting or, or things that we aspire to doing but you have to get them right. And there's really no reason not to get them right. Whether we have a consultant or a friend, again, we have this tremendous network of family as uh, fellow architects that were just a text or a a tweet away from one another. Hey, can you help me with this? And you can help me with that. Um, But our clients expect us to be able to do all those things. Um, So, Balance has really been the secret for me, is being able to do a lot of different things and getting them all, um, certainly have strengths, certainly have weaknesses, but we need to be able to do all those things. I, I have high expectations of, of what architects ought to be, or I have a high expectation of what I, as an architect, need to be. And um, being creative or being skillful from a design standpoint is, is only one of them. Um, there's so many more. And some, some, of, them, uh, some of those other skills have, have been really successful business generators for
0: me, so... Let's get into some quick questions. I call this uh, the lightning round. Other other blogs or other podcasts call it the lightning round. I call it quick questions. Uh, at what age did you become? Uh, did, what, at what age did you decide to become an architect? Uh, nine or ten. It's same as me, by the way. You mm-hmm. and I actually, from your origin story and actually your personality, you just described. You and I are very <laughs> very similar people. <laughs> just as a side note. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm honored. Well, yeah. what What's your target market? What type of work do you do?
1: Right now, I have a really good balance between what seems to be two different things. Um, we have a lot of adaptive reuse projects for urban buildings, especially in the city of Greensburg, um, with a little modern twist, um, uh, taking buildings from the late 1800s, early 1900s, and uh, repurposing them into something new, um, which I which I could speak for for hours of. of uh, what type
0: of buildings are they originally? Um, Banks, um, the typical, let's
1: call, main street three, four story, two, three, four story buildings that have these really beautiful character facades, brick, terracotta, stone, Um, but we always inject something of today, something modern, something contemporary, Um, and I have uh, a lot of um, modern, contemporary residential projects, um, uh, new construction, um, major renovations, additions, so there's seemingly two different things. Uh, to me, there's a connection, but um, that's where uh, a bulk of the work is. I do have some retail tenant fit-out type of work, but, but adaptive reuse and modern residential seems to be these two major uh, building types.
0: I've never done adaptive reuse, but it's something that's always interested me. I have a, a My mom is a history fanatic. We grew up learning American history, and, and, um, and it's always something that's interested me. I'd love to to be able to do some of that work. I just we just have never done it, uh, but it, it sounds like uh, fun. Sort of taking an old building that was once used for something else and and reinventing a use for it. I think we're going to be I think we're going to be doing that with a lot of shopping malls in the coming in the coming years. These gigantic buildings and these big boxes that uh, are all over our nation that are are empty these days.
1: No, it's a great conversation that we need to be having as architects. It's very very important.
0: Yeah. Uh, stipulated sum, hourly or percentage based fee or other. Uh, it
1: seems that most of my commercial work is lump sum stipulated sum. um, again, a lot of reasons for that, uh, residentially, I believe it or not, I've been doing hourly for residentially for a long time and I've offered other, other methods. Uh, it seems that we get through schematic design with hourly, uh, for a lot of reasons, a lot of known reasons because we can't predict things. Um, usually I give a not to exceed, um, but generally, i built trust after the schematic design phase, and we move into the latter phases, design development, construction documents, uh, construction administration. I often offer something else, but they generally feel trusted with that uh, arrangement that we continue with that. Uh, a lot can be said about that, but uh, generally, that's what worked
0: works yeah. for me. Other than architecture, what makes you happy?
1: Um, Obviously my family. I have a a beautiful wife, fantastic son, Um, deep faith in Jesus. Um, Those types of things are very important. Um, But personally, making things, photography, graphics, uh, you know, the the, the hobbies that got me started are still things I do today and they're so related to architecture that uh, I'm always doing something that seems to be (laughs) analogous to the practice um but it's relaxing to me what are what
0: are some of your hobbies
1: um again i, I photography is very very uh, yeah. uh relaxing to me and um a lot of architects get into that but it seems that with you know graphic skills that we have as architects that i either am always monkeying with something on my own or um or somebody else asks a favor church or somebody else like that and you get to use skills as an architect for something else um but apart from all that, um, I, I love to travel. I love to see new things. Um, we like to go to new restaurants. We like to try new foods. Um, those kinds of things I like to do with my family. Um, I, repeating things are okay, but, but new things. We, our architects, we love we love, love to see
0: and explore. Yeah, going on adventures. We, Absolutely. I, 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 uh, we do that with my family. I, we do birthday adventures and we do Christmas adventures. So oh, it's, instead of a birthday party, since my kids have been born, We've never done the whole kids' birthday parties. We have a family birthday party, bring all the family, and then we do a do a birthday adventure, and we go somewhere and we experience something. That's a great it's, idea. It's a lot of fun, and we do That's it with Christmas cool. too. My mom and dad uh, come come to uh, to New York, and we we find a new place to go, and we go and spend a day doing a, a Christmas adventure every year. It's, it's a lot of a lot of fun, and the best memories of our lives. You know, we're we're creating the best memories with those opportunities. So so important. Very important. Uh, this will lead right into this next question. What's the best advice you ever received?
1: I, I said this to a couple times to people today, and I don't know the exact origins of it, and maybe someone can can tell me, but um, so it was either told to me by a, a colleague or, or I read it somewhere. Um, but from a business standpoint, uh, I learned, and if I'm repeating, someone very famous, uh, forgive me. I learned that if I listen to what is really being said by the client. What is really their need? What's keeping them up at night? What's giving them unrest? And it's generally not a design or aesthetic issue. It's usually something else, but it's different for everybody. Uh, I try really hard at the very beginning to ask driving questions and I listen to what's their real driving need. And I found if I can answer that question first and provide the backup, and it's usually technical or, or some type of uh, non-graphic Response, But if I can answer that question and that that concern is put at ease or like, whew, then the uh, aesthetic or the design or the visual or whatever you want to call it, spatial aspects that we enjoy as architects uh, are often given over with very little, um, uh, very little boundaries. So if, if I've met their needs and if I and I demonstrate that I've listened to what the real problem is, and it's usually not something they state, it's usually something you right. have to pull out of them um, and restate back to them, or, or it takes a little bit of research sometimes. But you go back to them and you say, look, I think this is really what the key issue is on this design problem. And it's different for every single person, every single board, every single client. Uh, but when I've been able to satisfy that upfront when I present to them schematic design options in the first visual um, sketches or imagery is given to them, whatever that may be, however it manifests itself, I get very little pushback. Usually, oh, we love it, we love one of those schemes. As opposed to them saying, well, we want this style where it must look like this or must look like that. Um, If if I listen to them, then they let me take the project in a direction that, not about me, but where I think it it could go or or can go and is ultimately in their best interest. uh, it works almost it just works every time it's
0: it's it's a skill that takes nurturing yeah it's something that you need to de- develop as an architect it's not something that we typically re- learn we don't learn that in architecture school that's from oh, no. that's from sitting talking to people for years and years and years and, and figuring that out uh, right. or listening to this podcast and taking your advice uh, and, and and learning that that's something we need to do. Because it's not something they say. It's They don't typically describe that in words. It's something that we need to yeah. to discover through a conversation and other ways. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you have one personal habit or a daily routine that uh, contributes to your success? Um,
1: the first few things I thought about were, were, were not so much habits, they were just uh, traits. You know, diligence, optimism, and idealism. They were more traits, but... Um, but I'm going to make the plug, uh, if you talk about habit, um, is sketching, uh, and I don't mean drawing beautiful pictures, but I mean the, the real architectural sketch that's ugly and dirty and scribbly and, and whatever. Um, it's terribly relaxing to me. Um, I carry my goofy sketchbook everywhere I go, but I find that if I put that, sorry, pencil on the paper, <laughs> you're an iPad user with the stylus. go ahead. But if I do those kinds of things, one, it, um, It gets my thoughts out. And two, uh, it keeps those skills fresh. Maybe I'm a dinosaur, but it is just a really, really important skill. Uh, I've written about it uh, ad nauseum, and I'm going to continue to write about it. Um, It's not about making the pictures that we all show and brag about. It's just just a communication device. Um, And the funny thing is, is I've learned to do it upside down. Because when I'm with a client at a coffee shop, for instance, I've learned to draw upside down and they are amazed. And I'm not saying that I'm great. I'm just saying that it's, yeah. a it's a skill that one needs to do because they can't do it. And if you can show them a graphic that represents them and you're willing to uh, uh, put them forward, put them more important than you by doing it upside down um, – it, it, the reaction
0: is 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 really is really amazing. Yeah, that um, so. that, is, that is our our uh, our magic as architects to be able to sketch, <laughs> in, in, you know, live in front of a client because they can't. I mean, most people can't do what we do. No, uh, and to and to practice it to ha- do it in, on a daily basis or or a regular routine, uh, intentionally sitting down and sketching uh, will get you better at it, and it, and it also develops yeah. a piece of our brain that doesn't develop anywhere else unless we're doing that.
1: That's what's really important about it. It isn't the end result. It's the getting there. It's the thought process behind it.
0: Yeah Uh, How about a recommended app or an internet resource? Um,
1: I'm probably the least tech savvy, so I don't have all these great apps to talk about. Um, Here's a really silly one. Um, I I Use this app. It's called pitch gauge And it's an app that I think builders use to figure out what's the pitch of a roof so they can use uh, do takeoffs for shingles or whatever Uh, I've used it um, to measure approximately measuring uh, the pitch of parking lots and and sidewalks and whatever, uh, as I look at accessibility issues or or any kind of technical issues dealing with uh, architecture, and I need to know, um, I don't I don't use it as an as an end goal, but it's just a quick app. I can whip my phone out, and I can lay it down on the sidewalk, and see if the uh, pitch of a parking lot or sidewalk is uh, remotely close to meeting accessibility guidelines.
0: Interesting. So it's using the iPhone's level, uh, ability? correct. Interesting. go off cool. have to look that. Up. I think that's a great recommendation. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm going to download that myself. It's um, called Pitch Cage. Yeah, you could probably do it with for roof roof pitches too, right? Well, would it's it, meant it for roof pitch because it yeah. has a
1: camera. It has a camera section to it. Yeah. Uh, and it merely just takes the level section of your phone and, and tells you at what number in 12 units right. is the slope.
0: Very cool. How about a recommended book? If you're an old school guy, I'm sure you still read.
1: <laughs> I have a lot of books that, that came to mind. Um, right now I'm reading a book. I'm in the middle of it, so I don't know, uh, called, uh, all in by Mark Batterson. Uh, I do read mostly things that are related to my faith and things that are related to the Christian walk. So yep. they're not necessarily architectural business related, but what I really like about this book is it talks a lot about commitment. Now the commitment is more faith based, but it, but it really talks about commitment. And I think I can par- draw parallels from those levels of commitment. Um, um, the other books that came to me, another one was really fun that my wife introduced me to is called uh, The Road Back to You. And it's written by Ian Morgan, Cron and Suzanne Stabile. And it's, a, um, it's kind of, again, somewhat uh, people might think it's religious, but it talks about personality types and self-discovery. And what's really helpful, I think, as an architect is understand how we're made, what's our personality type, why we do the way we do. It's the whole reason I write my blog. It's the whole reason I wrote Think Architect. But I realized through uh an ancient device called the Enneagram um where I am on that personality type. It's not a limiting thing, but it's just helpful to know, hey, this is the kind of person I am. this is how I was made. What number are you? I'm clearly a four
0: yeah I haven't i, I, I he's been pod he's been all over the podcast world in the last couple of weeks, so i I just was introduced to him that's that book's on my list and uh and I have to learn what my number is.
1: Oh, yeah, it's it's uh, I thought I was a one a perfectionist um, and I and and there's a connection there But uh, but I'm a four with a five wing but clearly a four um, a lot of different names for it, but uh, The the artistic individualist um, um, No doubt. Yeah, the Uh,
0: book's called the road back to to you, right? That is correct. The road back to you. Yeah, we'll have that listed on the show notes for anybody who's interested And those numbers will make more sense (laughs) If you if you read the book or uh, and actually, uh, I'll link some of the podcasts that he's been on too. He's he's been interviewed a bunch of times recently. He was on the uh, entree Leadership podcast, Dave Ramsey's uh, podcast recently. It was very uh, interesting, and I didn't I never knew anything about uh, was it any en- uh, enneagrams? Is that what it, how do you say it?
1: Yeah, it's it's an ancient device, and there's a yeah. lot of different ways of looking at it. Secular, spiritual, uh, uh, cr- religious, Christian a lot of ways of looking at it, but. Um, it's just a it's just a, a device and a tool. Um, my wife uh, is teaching a Sunday school class uh, in a youth group to it and um, um, so she um, had me read this book and I was interested in it and uh, um, <clears throat> she's a different number than me and um, it, it's also a very useful tool to understand other people. Right. Um, a very way of, of developing empathy and compassion to other people is by um, understanding a little bit about maybe where they're at and how they're made.
0: We'll definitely have that linked up. Um, let's uh, let's get into that final question that I ask any everybody on the podcast. What's one thing that an entrepreneur architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow?
1: You know, I'd have to say adapt. Uh, d- depending on where you're coming from and how you start your business, you could come from a lot of different scenarios. I've watched people come from very large firms and try to develop uh, sole practitioner firms and. Uh, they struggle. I came from a small firm background, so it wasn't uh, that big of a leap, but, but you have to adapt to dealing with different kinds of people. You have to adapt to dealing with a different kind of work setting, a different type of work day, uh, a different type of building type perhaps, but you're constantly adapting as architects. And that doesn't come easy for me, but I know I have to keep adapting to different situations, learn new things, and adjust to how the practice or how the, how the world of architecture is going. Otherwise, you're just gonna be lost in, in, the, in the back. Um, um, the whole social media was an adapt process for me. I didn't give it a lot of credence up front and now I'm you know, drowning in it in terms of from a professional standpoint. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I, I, I promote it, I use it. Uh, I think it's a great tool uh, to promote our profession as architecture. Um, obviously it it can be used for good. It can be used for bad, but, but to to promote this profession, what a cool thing. And it's, it's given me opportunity to, uh, to meet so many really good friends, but yes, adapt, uh, otherwise you adapt or die.
0: Yeah. I want to also put in a plug for social media and the architect community on social media. Um, I also also have met so many, including you, Lee, uh, have been, been friends through the internet all these years, uh, there is a very, very tight group of architects on Twitter and Facebook and, uh, and elsewhere that, uh, that have bonded, uh, many of us through the, the Architects blog series, uh, on the Entree Architects community, on the, on the private right. Facebook group, is really a really great community there. But anywhere that you, with that there's social media, um, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's another tight group um, on LinkedIn, if you're an architect listening to this and you 're not on social media, uh, and I know there's other risks of getting on social media where it will overwhelm you. Uh, but if you stay focused on on uh, you know building relationships with some architects on social media, they will bear fruit they They will make friendships uh, they will be your advisors, they will be your supporters uh, they will encourage you on a daily basis, especially as a sole practitioner. Uh, that's your community. That's your, that's your water cooler. So, uh, if you're not online, you can start if you want to go on to entrearchitect.com slash group. We'll take you to the Facebook group. Uh, it's a really, really active, dedicated group of people over there that every day, you know, if you post a question, you'll get 30 or 40, 50 comments on a thread in that group. And so, and Twitter too, if you, if you post on Twitter, uh, and follow, follow a group, if you don't know who to follow, follow Lee or myself, uh, I'm at Entree Architect everywhere, so if you want to find me, uh, but if you just you know tag me in, in Twitter, I'll introduce you to everybody I know. So uh, definitely a, a a great great group of people there. Lee, how about a a parting piece of guidance for other entrepreneur architects, and then we'll wrap it up with you can uh, telling us how we can connect with you. Maybe some some social media, uh, and if somebody wants to just reach out and say thanks, how do we, how do we do that? Um.
1: I, again, I would I would say that that social media is really a, a key thing, and promote the profession first, and and then the individual results will come in. But if we promote our profession in whatever manner you do that, I just think that's the first thing we need to do, and the, the your own personal practice will eventually uh, um, benefit from it. But um, uh, join the conversation. Uh, you can reach me at thinkarchitect.wordpress.com. I love to have lively conversations about architecture, uh, ones that are uh, 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 civil and ones that are uh, uh, worth uh, getting into. Lively. Um, I don't mind disagreement. I think it, we think we all learn from each other. Um, the tag Lee Callisti is usually um, is, is my, um, my handle for Twitter and Instagram and, and, and uh, uh, all those types of things that can be easily found. Um, I can't hide. Um, LeeColisti.com is my website. You can see my work. Um, I just, I love being an architect. I just love being an architect and uh, I love being part of this community. I have some really highly, highly respected friends uh, in this community.
0: Yeah, Lee, thank you very much for spending some time with me here and sharing your story here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, it was a lot of fun. Hey, if you liked what we shared here today, complete show notes with links to everything that Lee and I spoke about and a direct link to download this episode so you can have a very own copy on your hard drive. It's all there, right there, at entreearchitect.comslash slash episode 173. And if you want to be featured here as a guest on Entree Architect Podcast in the Entrepreneur Architect series, come hang out with me, tell your story, inspire others, connect with me anywhere on social media, at Entree Architect. I'm on Instagram, on Facebook, facebook we're on twitter we're all over or send me an email podcast at entree and let us know that you want to share your story here at entree architect podcast and don't forget to visit right now right now we're wrapping things up here on the show go visit entree and go check out what entree architect academy is all about it's a it's our private online membership it's built for you it's a program built for you, three levels. You can join at any level that you want. You have resources, you have training, live webinar training, or the mastermind groups. You can go reserve a spot for a mastermind group. Visit the homepage today at entrearchitect.com. My name is Mark LePage, and I am an entrepreneur architect. And I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love learn, and share what you know. I I thank you. I thank you for listening, and I want you to have a great week.